Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. So the Bible reads from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 to 16. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now imagine for a moment that you have a friend or, or a sister who is going to get married. Uh, and so she's been looking for this wedding dress. For weeks and weeks she's been looking for the right dress. And finally she finds the perfect dress. It's way more than she budgeted for. But it's the right one. It's the only one. And so she buys this dress. Now it's the day before the wedding and she invites you to come over and have a look at her dress. And it is amazing. But then she has to pop out very quickly to sort out some last minute details. And so you left admiring the dress while sipping your cup of coffee. Then all of a sudden, disaster. You spill your cup of coffee all over the dress. And now there's this massive coffee stain right in the middle of the dress. You immediately start wiping it, but it, you, you're just spreading the stain. You're just making it worse. Uh, you try everything. You try hot water, soap, everything, but nothing helps. And you know. That when your friend returns, she is going to be devastated. And there's nothing you can do. You, you, you can't afford to buy a new dress. And even if you could, it will never be ready by tomorrow. You, you wish you could turn the clock back. You, you wish you could go back in time and, and redo things and ensure that you don't spill your cup of coffee. But, but you can't. How do you feel? Do you have that sinking feeling in your tummy? That, that feeling of regret? That feeling of guilt? That, that, that feeling of, of powerlessness? You see, at this point, you owe your friend big time. I mean, you are seriously in their debt. And you are going to want to do something to atone for what you've done. Because you know when your friend returns, she is going to be furious. 
And rightly so, because you've ruined the dress, and it's your fault. There will be a major breakdown in relationship. And so you're going to want to do something to atone for what you've done. You want to do something to, to make amends, to make things right again, to, to make it up to them. And we call this atonement, which means at one mint. It's all about being at one with each other. It's all about being reconciled and, and restored into a right relationship after there's been a major break in relationship. In order to achieve that atonement, that reconciliation, you're going to want to do something to atone for what you've done. And in our story, you're going to want, well, first of all, you're going to need to say, confess that you spilled the coffee, that it's your fault. And you're going to have to say sorry and really mean it. And then you're going to have to at least offer to buy a new dress, to pay the price. And then you're going to have to hope that your friend is going to accept your act of atonement. And this is the world we live in. Uh, in, in to, for a greater or lesser degree, we are continually offending people and being offended by people. And so we are continually doing things to, to atone for what we have done. I offend Victoria, so I, I might buy her some flowers to make amends, to atone for what I've done. But in a far greater way, we all need atonement between us and God. So in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We need atonement for our sins because we have all sinned. What is sin? Well, sin is firstly, essentially, a broken relationship with God. We, like all humans, have turned our backs on God. We've rejected His love. We've rejected the life He offers. And we think we know better. And we want to do things our way rather than His way. And you know, we kind of say, you know, don't, don't you tell me what's right and wrong. I'll decide for myself. And so we separate ourselves from God and we choose to be a God ourselves. And so secondly, sin is essentially selfishness and greed. It's putting ourselves first. It's always wanting to have things done our way rather than anyone else's way. And it's greed and it's envy. And the Bible says this is sin. And, and we've all sinned. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We've all sinned. I certainly cannot claim to have always been in a right relationship with God. Too often I've turned my back on God and done things my own way, which has often led to a lot of regret. And if I'm honest, I have to admit that there's evil in my heart. I'm innately selfish and greedy. 
And I often make mistakes. I often get things wrong. And so I wish I could go back in time and, and redo things, but I can't. And we've all sinned. And so we left with regrets and guilt. And guilt is like, firstly, guilt is like a debt that we're unable to pay. You see, we're all in God's debt. We all owe God because we've all offended God. We offend God by the things we do, and we offend God by the things we fail to do. We offend God when we do hurtful things, when we say hurtful things, when we think unkind thoughts. And we offend God when we fail to do kind things, good things, and loving things, when we simply turn a blind eye to the suffering in the world, just, just pretending it's not there. When we in, enjoy buying loads of cheap clothes while others are working for repentance, that offends God. When we enjoy our big meals and throw away the leftovers while others are starving, that offends God. We offend God when we do hurtful things to people, and we offend God when we fail to do loving things to people, people who are created in the image of God, people who are the children of God. And when we make a mess of the world, God's creation, that too offends God. And so we're all in God's debt because we all owe God, because we've all offended God. And so we have this debt that's like an unpayable debt. And secondly, guilt is like a stain that we can't clean. It's like that that nasty stain that, that... that dirty feeling, that, 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 that feeling deep down, that ugly feeling deep down that we simply can't get rid of. That feeling of shame. And it's because of this shame, this feeling of shame and guilt that, well, it prevents us from having an intimate relationship with God. It becomes like a barrier between us and God. And, and God seems distant and we can't experience an intimate relationship. We can't experience his presence. And we become like Adam and Eve. We, we hide from God because we feel ashamed. It's not that God's removed his presence from us. No. Remember in the story, God comes looking for them. But Adam and Eve are hiding because they feel ashamed. And our sin and our guilt leads to a spiritual death, a breakdown in our relationship with God, which then leads to a physical death. If you turn your back on God, who is the source of life, this leads to death. And ultimately, it leads to an eternal death. And so what's the solution? How can we atone for what we've done If our guilt is like an unpayable debt, if our guilt is like a a stain that we can't clean, how can we atone for that? Well, the answer is, we can't. There's nothing we can do. So what's the solution? 
Well, the one solution could be that God simply says, well, you know, I'll, I'll just forgive you. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. It's not really a big deal anyhow. Don't worry. I'll just forgive you. But that will never lead to true reconciliation and true forgiveness. It's kind of the same as if your friend came back to you and said, oh, don't worry about that coffee stain. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. No biggie. That will never lead to true reconciliation and true forgiveness. You can't simply pretend nothing happened. The the dress is still ruined. You first need an act of atonement. Only then you can have true reconciliation and true forgiveness. So what's the solution? Well, we're told in that verse, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because we are unable to atone for our own sin, God, in a profound act of love, comes to us in the person of Jesus and dies a gruesome death on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does an atoning sacrifice mean? Well, firstly, it means that through Jesus' death on the cross, God pays the debt that we were unable to pay. God doesn't say, oh, oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the way you hurt people. Don't worry about the way you messed up the planet. Don't worry about that. It's no biggie. No, God doesn't say that. He says, this is serious. There is a cost to what you've done. The debt needs to be paid. Your sin needs to be dealt with. And on the cross, Jesus deals with our sin. On the cross, he pays the price for our forgiveness. On the cross, he pays the debt that we owe God by dying for us, by dying the death we should die so that we can experience true reconciliation and true forgiveness. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. To be forgiven means your debt has been paid in full. Secondly, it means that through Jesus' death on the cross, God cleans the stain that we can't clean. Take note in 1 John 1 and verse 9, it doesn't say that God just forgives us, but he purifies us. To be purified means that God removes our guilt. God, our guilty conscience is cleaned. To be purified means that our guilt is removed, it's blotted out, it's remembered no more. The slate is wiped clean. When we ask Jesus to forgive us, he doesn't just forgive us, but he purifies us. Our guilt is blotted out. It's remembered no more. That's the good news. You see, Jesus didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. I can remember hearing a testimony about about this girl who was a drug addict and a prostitute. And she felt completely powerless to change. She felt unloved and she felt dirty. She did an Alpha course and at the end of the Alpha course, she put her faith in Jesus. 
And when she shared her story with the church at the end of the Alpha course, it was remarkable. And what simply stood out was, was when she just stood there and said, clean, I feel clean. That's an extreme example, but we can all experience this forgiveness and know that we are clean. But the big question is, why would God do this for us? You see, we live in a world where it's always the guilty, the guilty party that has to do the act of atonement. I mean, if I've seriously wronged you, I can't simply say sorry. I would need to do something to atone for what I've done. But over here, it's not the guilty that makes the atonement. It's the innocent. God, who is innocent, pays the debt, our debt, for us. Why does God do that? The reason he does that is simply because that's how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he's prepared to die for you. If you were the only person in the whole world, God would have come in the person of Jesus and died for you because he loves you. It's that personal. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, love comes from God. In verse 8, it says, God is love. In verse 10, it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why does God do this? Why, why is Jesus prepared to, to die this, this gruesome death on the cross? It's simply because he loves you. This is our core identity. We are loved by God. Have you ever wondered what your life is worth? Ever wondered what your value is? Have you ever wondered how much God loves you? Well, this is how much God loves you. He was prepared to die for you. That's your value. That's your worth. That's how much God loves you. Why does God love us so much? Is it because we've done something to deserve this and earn this? No. In verse 10, it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God's love for us is not dependent on us first loving God. God's love for us is not dependent on how good we are or, or how successful we are or how spiritual we are, or how sorted we are. God's love for us is not dependent on how good we are, it's only dependent on how good He is. God loves you 
because God loves you. Because God loves you. Therefore, there is absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you less because God already loves you completely and fully. And he's proved this by dying for us. And so all we have to do is receive this love. By simply confessing our sin and asking for forgiveness and allowing God to remove all our guilt and shame and allowing God to pour his love into our life. I can remember when I was a teenager, I always kind of felt that there was something missing in life. And I had this real desire to to, to be liked, to be accepted, to be popular, to be in with the in crowd. And I can remember thinking that the best way to do this was was to do well at sport. If I did well at sport, then people would like me and accept me, and I would be in with this inkra. And I did do well at sport, particularly at water polo and at, at surfing. I made the school's first team. I made the county's team. Eventually, I even won the, the South African under-19 wave ski surfing competition. But nothing changed. It still felt, I had this feeling that something was missing, and I still had this feeling that I had to do things to earn people's acceptance. And it was sometime after that that I decided to go to church, to, to try church. And it was there that I was confronted with this amazing love of God. And you know what the amazing thing was? There was absolutely nothing I needed to do, nor could do, to earn this love. Do you know how mind-blowing that was for me? My whole life, I'd been trying to do things to earn people's acceptance. I'd been trying to do well at sport to earn people's acceptance. But through Jesus' death on the cross, I discovered that God loved me unconditionally. That there was absolutely nothing I could do to make God love me more. And there was nothing I could do to make God love me less. And when I was confronted by this amazing love of God, it demanded a response from me. And I decided there and then to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to love Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. How about you? Have you received this amazing love of God? Is this your core identity? Do you know that you are loved by God? See, your core identity doesn't have to be a feeling of being unworthy or inadequate. Your core identity doesn't have to be a feeling of being guilty or being unclean. You can simply come to God. Confess your sins and say sorry. God will remove all your guilt and shame. God will pour his love into your life. And you'll have a whole new identity. Forgiven. Clean. Loved. 
If you would like to receive this new identity, then I would ask you just to simply pray this prayer that will be up on the screen with me. We can all pray it together. Heavenly Father, I confess that I am selfish and that I have often turned my back on you and do things my way rather than your way. I'm sorry for all the selfish things I have done and for all the hurt that I have caused. I'm sorry for the times when I have simply turned a blind eye to the needs of others. Please forgive me and cleanse me. And thank you that your love for me is not dependent on me first loving you. It's not dependent on how good I am or how sorted I am or how spiritual I am. But it's only dependent on how good you are. Thank you that you love me because you love me because you love me. Thank you that you love me so much that you died for me. And so, Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, please pour your love into me afresh so that I may experience your love and know that I am forgiven and cleansed and loved by you. I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.